Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we discuss market events while at the same time quaffing a few beers. Though this week, actually, I've, I'm not drinking beer. I've got some, <laughs> some other things to go through. Sam, how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm good. I, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to, you, to your reveal on what you're actually drinking. Um, I, I must admit, I'm a little jealous. I, we, we do typically stick to beers on, on this, but it is booze, booms and busts, which does give us some, uh, I guess, some runway as to what we can actually consume. And having seen before we jumped on air, what is, it, what is in your possession? I'm very much looking forward to, to what you've got. But uh, yeah, been a good week for me. I'm looking forward to, oh my God, there's so much to cover. Um, but we'll there see, we'll see where today takes us. Mm. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I'm not actually drinking any beer. I have another, um, I have another beverage here, Sam, which you haven't seen yet. But the oh. first one I'm on, uh, as I'm in, in Cheddar, uh, I have been sampling a lot of the local goods recently. Uh, so far, it's been an awful lot of dry scrumpy. I think uh, <laughs> I, I normally don't like cider, but uh, dry scrumpy is actually really, really good. And uh, it's it's served in appropriately sized bottles. You know, you get the nice three liter ones. Very nice Ooh, indeed. Yeah. Uh, but this week, I'm starting off with some tournament mead, oh, yeah. uh, which is with ginger. And uh, yeah, I, I think mead is a massively underserved market. I think somebody yeah, who makes absolutely mead in large quantities is really going to clean up, especially just with a little bit of marketing yeah. uh, and, you know, nice bit of spin on it. I re- there are so many people out there who watch Game of Thrones or, or some, you know, watch the Lord of the Rings or, you know, quality stuff. Yeah, that kind of thing who would just absolutely love to drink it. So uh, as and I it, saw- but it's good as well, right? I think a lot of people don't realize how good it can be. I mean, I've not, I've not had loads of me, but every time I've had a mead, I always say to myself, I could drink more of this more regularly, but it's just not something you really see anywhere. No, no, which is why I was delighted to see some in the, in the local boozer over here. Uh, there were a few different places that are making it. This one is Lime Bay Winery, and that's with lime with a Y. And this is tournament mead with ginger, 11% in a 75 <laughs> CL bottle. I don't think I'll be caning all of this, but you know, who knows, who knows. And um, yeah, Lime Bay Winery is a small, dedicated West Country company passionate about producing delicious, award-winning drinks. A dark and sweet mead, beautifully married with a discreet hint of ginger. Lovely served at room temperature, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, yeah, this uh, it it tastes tastes great. It reminds me a lot of Tokai if you've ever had that kind of dessert wine from Hungary. Uh, but mm. very nice, very nice indeed. You could drink a lot of it. This certainly doesn't taste eleven percent. That's for sure. I um I I have this. It's like every time you say tournament mead, I feel like behind mm-hmm. there needs to be some sort of those long sort of uh, ceremonial medieval thing. trumpets. Yeah. You know, just like three dudes with like the banners hanging off their long trumpety things, just going. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the name for that? It's um. I can't remember. Long trumpet. No, no, no. But the 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 piece of music. It's like a a fanfare. Yeah, there needs to be a fanfare. Whenever yeah. you, uh, whenever you, whenever you drink your tournament mead, very. Um... Do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm, every time you say it, I'm gonna do it until <laughs> I literally, literally get people just messaging us on Twitter, go tell him to shut up with the. Do, 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 do. Yeah, he needs to get a soundboard so you can just click, and then uh, yeah, as soon as that. <laughs> oh, as that's as the, yeah. We got it. Going Let's to a whole new level, you... getting soundboards. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure by season three, this will be that this will be incorporated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sam, what are you drinking this week before, before right. we get on to markets? So the first one I've got is from the Beer Hut Brewing Co., uh, which is in Kilkeen Co. Down. Is that Kilkeen County Down? I don't know. Mm. Um, but it's a a session India Pale Ale, so just three point nine percent. Uh, it is, uh, it's just called the session IPA soft and tropical. Uh, and it is, it is tropical to be fair. Um, nice. It's actually really cool. Silver can with a black, um, lid on it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice and nice and fruity and, uh, tropical. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. It's, uh, it's, it's quite easy to drink. I don't know if it, on the on first, first consumption, it, it doesn't feel like it's a session IPA being you know a phrase that we particularly don't like on this show but um i don't think it'll be one that i'll be like oh yeah i could really have a session on those but uh, mm. we'll see oh well well yeah well as you go down maybe maybe you'll change your mind on the uh, as as it as it hits in 
Um, actually, so just Sam, just to start off the week, I thought we uh, we could go over. We received actually a really nice email from a listener, which I thought we could uh, go through. There was a lot of a lot of commentary. We did um, we did discuss quite a lot in our last podcast. When saying, it came... they, they clearly didn't listen to episode fifty one. Then did they? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh well. Well, let's. Uh, I'd like to just go through it. And uh, if you are listening to this and you do have any comment, commentary, you got any feedback, or if you have any questions, topics you'd like us to discuss, feel free to send them in. Probably easiest if you get through to us on Twitter. We do have our booze, booms, and busts Twitter account, but of course, uh, you know we do have a. Uh, you can always email my editorial account, which is boaz at southbankresearch.com. But yeah, this was from Paul, who did enjoy episode 51, that the one that you were actually referring to. Sam. Maybe we need more of that then. <laughs> yeah, maybe it clearly goes down well. Uh, so this chap just says, uh, you know, Paul says, just listening to last week's Booze, Booms and Busts podcast, number 51, while, of course, consuming an appropriate beverage, Captain Morrison's IPA from Five Kingdoms Brewery in the village of Isle of Whithorn after a summer aisle session ale gotta get that plug in well paul the plug has plug, been plugged plug. <laughs> and i'm at the bit where you're talking about companies publishing the quotas of uh, yeah, ladies on their boards and how ridiculous uh, yeah, right. it is that's sam's words which reminded me that not that long ago or maybe it was hard to tell in the current environment i was translating a german document which might be an annual report or something similar and one of the sections was about how they were fulfilling the statutory requirement to have a particular quota of ladies on their executive supervisory or whatever board as well as the board uh, at the next level or or two down from that so it seems that german law actually uh, requires or prescribes certain quotas of ladies at certain levels of companies who'd have thought company is an ag so joint stock or whatever next one up from gmbh slash limited but private not public i.e unlisted uh, and this chap says annoyingly because i'd like to invest in them which is interesting you know still still wants to invest in them even if he does even if they do pursue certain uh, you know policies in germany which he would disagree with uh we i did ask uh about poms uh re regarding <laughs> why australians call uh call brits poms and he said it was P-O-H-M, Prisoner of Her Majesty. That uh, sounds about right, actually. Yep. Yeah. And uh, rhyming slang, it's Cockneys, e.g. apples and pears equal stairs. And uh, I think it was you that were talking about Seppos for the Americans. That's right. And yes. uh, yeah, Paul says, funny about the Seppos for Americans. In the German town I lived in as a student, Bamberg, north of Nuremberg, at the time was full of American soldiers from a penal battalion, I heard, i.e. go to prison or the army. While they were generally called Amis uh, or pronounced Umis, the locals called them Zufa or Zupfa. Uh, Zupven to pluck, which I which was apparently a, a reference to cotton picking. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite quite <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, and it, Paul does like uh, my re my reference to the colonies that didn't rebel for uh, the rest of the Commonwealth. Well, not not the rest of the Commonwealth, actually just Australia and Canada. Um, Croatia is apparently Croatia quality alcohol in Croatia, says Paul. And uh, yeah, is uh, Paul is a. Um, is was very very pleased with episode 51 even if we did think it was probably our most politically incorrect one sam so maybe we should carry on uh, you know go you know really going to the very edge of the line but sam in terms of uh, let's go on to the market events for this week and thank you paul for your for your email very nice indeed great to hear uh a great to hear someone being so attentive to the episode that was a, a lot of details picked up with there but sam carry on with this what uh, what what market events should we start with this week i think uh, i think the um the hero that is hanashiro.eth we should probably we yeah, should probably start with this guy that was that was one of the things i, I wanted to i wanted to cover off on on today um the uh, how much was it 600 600 million dollars worth of crypto was loads of different cryptos though loads yeah it was it was hacked from ethereum's blockchain from binance smart chain um where else what else was it taken off uh, well, there was Dai, which was also. Oh, Ethereum. that's right. Yeah. Uh, but there were no, but there were loads of the ones I didn't even recognize on there. There was lots yeah. of wrapped stuff. Um, they took some Shiba Inu. Um, yeah, a lot of wrapped tokens. Who would a want lot. to steal Shiba? That's <laughs> yeah, it's a fairly good point. Um, it was, but it's this is so right. So there's two there's two sides to this story, right? Um, there's the side that you hear about in the mainstream media, which just continuously perpetuates their angle that 
crypto is full of hackers and you're going to get your money stolen and you're going to get ripped off and this, that, and the other. It's too dangerous for the average person. You shouldn't do it because, you know, don't do anything we don't tell you to do. But what they have somewhat ceased to do now is that, and we'll, we'll come around to this, I think, is that the, the hackers started returning the funds. I think they're about halfway through returning the funds because uh, the wallets that they that all the stolen crypto went to started getting blacklisted. So you, you can, you know, if, if there's a wallet that's got stolen funds, you know they're stolen funds. Once you blacklist them, then exchanges um, and, uh, you know, intermediaries on different blockchains will cease to uh, operate with that wallet, cease to function with it. And then you can also then just track the movement of everything in and out of that wallet. So effectively, it's like having the world's, you know, hottest money that everyone can see. It's a theft that everyone can see and everyone can track. So the hackers sort of kind of been pushed into a corner, starting to return all the money. Um, so in effect, while yes, the hack is bad, which is really a, a problem with the developers, not the actual crypto or the blockchains that they function on. Uh, it's how the developer that they've managed to, um, uh, I guess, access. Well, it was Polygon, right? It was Polygon Network was the, it wasn't, which weren't running the blockchains that, the assets were stolen from there was, yeah, they were running the, a, a second layer well it's, it's the the poly network now i don't to be honest with you i don't know if poly network is the same as polygon it, I don't, it may it may be a different i don't I, I was under the impression it was a network it was from polygon it was on top of polygon that they were trying to that they'd made poly network for everything i, I could be wrong perhaps Either way, so yeah, there's issues with how the money was stolen. But again, what the what the sort of the biggest story I think here is the fact is that because of the transparency of, of blockchains, is that the stolen funds could be identified, and because they it's so transparent, you could see everything that's happening. It's caused the 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 thief to have to send it all back because he can't do anything. It, imagine having a billion dollars and not being able to do anything with it because the funds are stolen and everyone knows that they're stolen. It's like the ultimate, it's the ultimate anti-theft network. Well, okay. There's a couple of things. There are some issues with that though as well, which I think you're probably about to raise. Well, I think the coin mixing and coin tumbling still, well, coin tumbling, not so much, but coin mixing, coin joins. uh, And the, there are plenty of anonymizing things that people can do with, uh, with crypto still. To me, it's more the fact, is it not the fact that it was $600 million worth is simply too much for all of the anonymizing protocols just to swallow. That, and that was why there was nothing that this guy could, re- well, that is why this guy's chosen not to, to pursue them. Because well, I think people- didn't, didn't some of, the, like, with, so Tornado Cash is one of the, is one of the mixing uh, options yeah. that, that seems to be popular. But I think even they're coming under some serious heat about what uh, about allowing you know wallets with with certain you know with large amounts to interact with as well um i think you're going to get to the point where you know those sorts of mixing services basically come under threat from the fbi or or or, or, or you know other agencies to um to reveal the the addresses that have been interacting with them and i think just through th- sheer fear of um persecution they'll comply I don't know. I think, uh, well, we've already seen there were some non-KYC exchanges. It wasn't Shapeshift, but there was one very similar to Shapeshift where they got like completely shut down. And that was similar to, uh, you know, similar, as you say, you know, they got done for uh, assisting money laundering, etc. But I do, I I mean, those, there was still the ability, there's still the ability to anonymize these crypto payments. I mean, that as we we discussed on some of the uh, an earlier podcast. It wasn't too long ago, regarding uh, Hydra, the Russian uh, Russian black market site, which is enormous. Yeah, and you know that's all crypto money, uh, mm. but it all gets anonymized one way or another. There are just loads and loads of shady exchanges out there, um, and there are, there are ways of doing it. I, I my impression is definitely that there was the, there are ways of of keeping and laundering this kind of money, but it was simply this guy had stolen too much. He was. Uh, you know, he was suffering from his own success, as it were, or uh, <laughs> you 
um it was a too ambitious much- yeah i mean it took it took too much money but sam i think you know one thing was part of the story we've not dwelled on which I, which i think is the best part yeah which is the the honor among thieves element here ah, where yeah. people started messaging this guy's ethereum address so they were making very small transactions to his address in order to send over a message and some dude says hey mate uh, don't don't use any of the tether that you've stolen because uh, because they blacklisted it so as soon as you use it they'll 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 know you right and as a just a hanashiro the address that this is the hacker's alias says uh, yeah mate uh, well well doesn't say anything but just tips the guy 13.37 eth which yeah. is about forty-two thousand dollars, and thirty thirteen thirty-seven <laughs> being the elite. Uh, it's a um, well, it, it was where kids used to uh, and still do use numbers instead of letters to spell out elite, meaning uh, elite, like as a as a short for elite. But, um, wasn't wasn't Hanashiro uh, or whatever it is blacklisted then as soon as that was was done as well? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, like he t- he tipped the guy. It was yeah. the fact that he tipped the guy, and then as soon as he tipped the guy forty two thousand for trying to help him out, forty two thousand USD, uh, everyone starts trying to to milk this hacker of oh, money yeah. <laughs> by saying things like, "Congrats, yo man, I'm I'm really short on cash. Can yeah. you help me, please? I need a Quiznos sub. Send me send me point one eighth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, uh, that was uh, that was what was ridiculous, and this is forever etched into the Ethereum blockchain now. I mean, Actually, that I'd, is I'd all- also um, I'd also heard that I think Hanashiro, whatever it was, um, had actually then with that ETH had then donated that ETH to um, anti anti hacking anti exploit um, uh, organizations, and so like I know they I think they sent a, a bunch of it to um rect hq that cover exploits and you know explain how these exploits and hacks take place so that other projects can learn from them and, and try and make sure that they patch up their their networks with things like this so you're right it's a bit, a bit of honor in thieves but then also like a giving back to the community to try and stop this thing from happening again yeah i mean uh yeah i mean the 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 I wonder about <laughs> what motivates Hanashiro, the hacker in question? Wouldn't you love because to now him? he is trying to uh, say that he was just doing it to protect everybody. I mean that he was he was he was revealing these exploits. Like I didn't want to do this, but I had to do it because <laughs> someone else would have done it worse than me. And he's obviously a very intelligent guy, but obviously incredibly nerdy. With all, like apparently it's not just thirteen thirty seven for get that tip. I mean everything is to do with thirteen thirty seven with all of the all of the stuff he was messing around with. He was always putting 1337 somehow in it just to show everybody that he was elite or whatever. And uh, you, the character of the guy, you wonder at. But ultimately, um, ultimately, Sam, I mean, I, I, I mean, it, it's just, it's a completely unregulated market marketplace. And uh, if, you, if you use an exploit like that, then it's just, I mean, it's like the guys who are using these exploits are are exploiting smart contract language. They're just yeah. interpreting a smart a smart contract in a way that other people haven't. So yeah. they're really just using a loophole in the digital law. So you may call the you can call the guy a thief, but ultimately he's done everything by the book when it came to the protocol that all of these people were interacting with. Like they, I don't even. I see what I, I see. What you mean. I don't. I don't see these guys as. Well, I mean, it, it's everything. You're always responsible for anything you invest in, right? So you should only be putting money into something that you know you've done your own due diligence on. You should never yeah, be yeah. doing something completely. Uh, you know, you should always be responsible for yourself. And there are always people who are irresponsible, etc. But in this space, which where there is no law, I mean, I've said, I always say this is if this were a physical market, you'd want a gun with you because there's no laws here. It's it's just. This is outlaw town. You've just gone to the wild west on the internet, and in the in the when you have these DeFi exploits, all these guys are doing is mm. just reading the letter of the law, which no one else seems to have done properly, and then realizing that they can make a huge amount of money by doing exactly what the law tells them. And well, nothing- yes and no, yes and no. I think there's there's part of what you say is right for the ones. So there are, there are exploits that exploit um, certain functions within some of these smart contracts for something like, a, for example, like a minting uh, function, which yep. allows them to mint 
uh, an excessive amount of a particular token, which they then go on and, and swap for Ethereum or a stable yeah, coin, yeah, something yeah. like that. I don't have an issue with that because that is that is that is really just interpreting something, a smart contract, and finding, like you say, finding a loophole. In some cases, though, what the exploit does is, is it takes uh, crypto from other people that have deposited it into a smart contract. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's a, that's a bit more like. Um, those guys that you know do the card skimming from ATMs and shit like that, right? So technically, they are stealing other people's. No, yeah. I see. No, no, no. But that's the thing. I don't think it's like card skimming because uh, card skimming is is like that is bad and it is illegal. If you deposited money into a pool, into a liquidity pool, you gave that to the liquidity pool. It's all bearer instruments, right? You gave it to the liquidity pool agreeing to the terms of the liquidity pool with how it can lend money out. But isn't that just and, like a bank deposit? Well, no, it isn't because the government isn't there to save your ass if it goes wrong. But that shouldn't, I don't think that's a, that makes a differentiation between what is what is effectively theft or not theft though, right? Just because the government is or isn't in control of it. Well, oh, well no, I, that's like, that would be the, that'd be the primary distinction that I would make. Right, because obviously, imagine you know, if somebody robs a bank before the government was guaranteeing bank deposits. That's still a bank robbery, right? Yeah. But I think this is this is different in that what that liquidity. So when people uh, deposit money, or well, they, it's not a, it's not even a deposit. We're using all of these banking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's describe true. something that is really <laughs> quite different. Yeah. When you are putting your money into a liquidity pool, you are sending your money to it to a liquidity pool hoping for a future return. Yeah. You are giving, you are, it's, you're, you're you are seeding control of that. You're seeding, no, but you're, you're giving it to it on the terms dictated in the smart contract, which That's nobody, true. right? They just see the, you know, the, what, what yield they can get off it and they put the money in there. Yeah. You yeah. are giving the money, literally giving it and saying, okay, well, hopefully according to the rules of the smart contract, I will be able to get this out again. Yeah. But, uh, you're giving it to it, and the person who manages to rug that, the person who manages to to see, oh wait, there's, yeah. a, there's a flaw in the language here. I'm going to exploit that, and I'm going to take all the money in here. That's a bit like There's- it's a bit like not reading the terms and conditions. Yeah, it, no, it is exactly that. Except the except, imagine if reading the terms and conditions allowed somebody who was very very shrewd <laughs> to steal the product. So this this is like that South Park episode where um, the, they don't read the Apple terms and conditions. And I think Apple can't remember, exactly remember what happened in the episode, but like then Apple come along and they like steal, um, they steal, they basically kidnap people or like they do some really bad shit. And they're just like, it was in the terms and conditions. You agreed to it. You just didn't read them. <laughs> so it's like with a smart contract, effectively it's the same thing, except the only problem is, is that no one really understands how to read a smart contract. Well, clearly, so there's the an element of good do, faith in, people, in it as well, right? The hackers understand it better than the developers. Well, that's true. And so, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost like, if, imagine if, if you read the terms and conditions, you'd get the product or service for free. Yeah. That's what's going on. Yeah. And no one, no one reads the terms and conditions. But no one so reads all... the conditions. What if the terms and conditions were in Japanese, right? And, and you don't speak Japanese. Well, then you probably shouldn't be buying the good or service then, mate. Well, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the, uh, I, I have a lot of, it's not, it's not like sympathy for these guys, but well, it's, it's just, you have to accept this is a, this is a brutal Wild oh, yeah. West landscape. And I think, I think the term Wild things. West isn't fair, but I agree. I agree that it's a brutal la- landscape. Well, what would you, what would you prefer, mate? Is it Antarctica or the polar bears out I there? No, I, I think we're probably a little bit more sophisticated now than the Wild West, aren't we? Couldn't it be more like a, um, um, I don't know, what, 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 what's, what's sort of the equivalent, a more, a more evolved equivalent of the Wild West? Uh, Hong Kong in the 1980s. Uh, there you go. We, we, we're like Hong Kong in the 1980s there. We're Miami. It's uh, cocaine cowboys. We're in yeah. Miami. There we yeah, go. So, that's, you know, that's, I think that's that's a fair. I think we're a bit bit further along than than um you know, quick draws at at, at high noon. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So I it, you just have to realize. So it's because nobody knows what the smart contracts even mean, uh, and 
it's kind of it's funny, it's funny that it's like everyone carries on with it everyone thinks they know what the law is uh, but they don't really they've not really dug into all of the things so people who know the law really well can get away yeah. with a lot of things yeah and uh, and often get away with things everyone thinks should be illegal and you know here we are and the same thing happens so i i don't even see how it i don't even see how actual law enforcement can go after a guy like hanashiro because there's no laws out there. Every instrument is a bare instrument, or it is, a, or it's an illegal security. In which it case, would, I tell you what, it? it'd be a very fucking interesting legal case um, if they actually yeah. tried to, if they actually found the guy and tried to prosecute them based on, on exactly what you're saying. It's like it's not that they're doing anything illegal as such, no. but it's more an interpretation of the, their ability to interpret what is allowed by the rules of the game. It's just if the rules of the game. Um, you know the rules of a game the, the game allow it and that's that's really what is a, a, a feature and a benefit of smart contracts is that once the rules are there they're etched in stone um, and if you know how to play the game better than someone else you win yeah yeah I mean that's uh, a lot of people are buying things that they don't understand uh, you yeah. know and and when you don't understand something you're at you put yourself at a disadvantage so definitely but um, i think at this point as well especially with stuff like DeFi and and these and liquidity pools and things like that you know my, my own approach to it is that it the longer i'm in a, in a liquidity pool is it's basically every hour that i that, that that you're in that is an hour close to getting rugged and so the it's it's kind of like this it's almost like when you're in a stock that's riding a bubble and you're kind of like, how long do I stay in this? You know, yeah, do, yeah, I, yeah. do I just go balls to the wall or, and let this shit ride in the hope that it doesn't crash? But then be prepared that if it does, you're just like, well, you know what? I knew that was the risk that, and I was prepared to take it. I think that's the level of risk that if, you, if, if people are getting involved in DeFi, which loads of people are, then you've really got to be prepared to just accept the fact that all of it in the blink of an eye, whether it be an exploit, some sort of rug pull, whatever, can just vanish. And I think if you take it with that approach and you still don't really know how the fuck the smart contract works, fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Suddenly you then start complaining that you got rugged and it's like, it's like, well, come on, you know, this was fucking, this was part of the risk of the game. Yeah, big time. Big time. I, 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 yeah, that, I mean, that's just my response to anyone who says Hanashiro is a villain and he should be hunted down. I mean, that's been harsh. <laughs> I don't yeah I mean like I I just I don't think people understand that this is such a different thing than what what your average you know what your average stock investing would be or um I don't think people understand that this is not something like we've seen before this is really yeah. something or uh, we're, we're it's something extraordinary which is why people are so interested in it and there, there are certainly benefits to it as well right like, like like i was saying before you know the benefit is is that this exploit has now been identified and like i said you know operations and and organizations and, and groups and you know, networks and so like the rect hq guys you know i'm big fans of their work they cover all these sorts of a lot of these exploits that happen in in DeFi. um and uh, and they were they were going you know step by step through what happens with the actual smart contract and the code, and then was you know we're saying, you know if you're doing this kind of um, coding or programming in your smart contract, don't do this which these guys did that allowed this exploit to take place. So that the next time you know a smart contract like this is built, then without this exploit, which just makes everything tighter and more robust. And there's certainly that, you know, because we're in that, it is really just this, you know, experimental developmental stage. You almost need these kinds of, and that's why like loads of projects now have massive bounties, like, you know, million dollar bounties for exploits. So that people that can find exploits on a scale like this, that allow these kinds of things to take place, rather than them stealing everyone's funds, they have like a pool that's been put aside um, to pay the people that are exploiting the smart contracts to make it all tighter and more reliable for people to use. And the, the, the way I see it developing is more of this will happen. It's inevitable, but it's also good for how this develops in that, you know, in 10 years time, the robustness of some of these um, market makers and liquidity pools and smart contracts will be extraordinarily better than what they are now, which I see is just as a net gain for the industry, really especially if they can get, you know, all the 600 million back. <laughs> but 
there is also something I wanted to talk to you about. I want to get your view on this. Oh, uh, Tether froze 33 million USDT. So why? Because of the stolen funds. They just, well, like you said, they, they, they froze it, right? So it can't be used. Yep. Yep. This, this money is money that we have determined cannot be moved or transferred anywhere. What Tether, Tether Tether's a central bank backed digital currency. That's exactly what CBDCs are going to do. It's programmable yeah. money that is that, that can be determined where you can or can't spend it. I mean, yeah. they've just demonstrated exactly what the US Federal Reserve uh, and, and the Bank of England and everywhere else, the, the European Central Bank, this is what they want to do with central bank-backed digital currencies. Yeah, the I mean, time is on really... them, tell you where you can and can't spend them. And Tether have just proven how easy it is to do. Yeah, I think this ties back into uh, a point I made a few yeah, I think I've met a few times now on this podcast, but the Tether has just beaten send, like the US, the Federal Reserve to the punch when it comes to creating a digital dollar. Yeah, um, It is very interesting that they've decided to do this and put on the moral high hat considering uh, some, of the, uh, some of the people involved in Tether. Uh, but maybe this will convince the market only more that they are more reliable, uh, which is, uh, would be a very shrewd thing to do. So to now act like, no, 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 we have a moral responsibility for these Tethers that we are issuing. Therefore, we shall clamp down against uh, activity we see as criminal, et cetera, et cetera. I think it is, uh, I wonder how much of it is a sort of a shrewd marketing ploy. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be a business decision. Yeah. I think, you know, if they carry on doing this when it comes to other rug pulls using Tether, it'll be interesting to see uh, what impact that has on DeFi. So are really shady DeFi projects going to stop using, uh, stop using Tether? So, yeah. you know. Is using Tether going to be a sign of uh, a project being uh, good? Because they, you know, if they anyone does try to rug it, therefore uh, Tether is going to be at, on their ass, and they're going to they're going to freeze the funds, etc. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's an interesting interesting move by move by them. I kind it's almost like I I hope they they do this a lot more <laughs> before <laughs> the feds bust down their asses so that they can. Uh, so, so that they can, uh, you know, have some kind of, you know, report card showing, you know, we stopped this, 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 yeah. and this. Yeah, we uh, complied. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, we were trying to do your job before you got here. Yeah. We may not have had the yeah. best scorecard, but now you're here. Everything's going to be okay. Just let Tether us has been acquired by the United States Federal Reserve. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I joked earlier in the year about Tether was going to get um, dollar swaps from the Federal Reserve because, you know, it's all... <laughs> When the Federal Reserve is um, so invested in making sure that every financial system in the developed world uh, carries on going, one, whether, one wonders whether or not the entire crypto market, which is so, uh, so interested in Tether, whether or not Tether might be something that uh, the Federal Reserve would decide to, to issue some dollar swaps for, as of course, the Federal Reserve has no issue with buying shitty commercial paper, which <laughs> yeah. Tether, of course, well, Tether says that they've got. Um, so yeah, I think it, a very, very interesting move, but it's, I think somewhat inevitable to some degree. If you want to make yourself look good, you'll uh, you'll try and stop that. It's not like anyone's going to say no to Tether um, after after they've done this. I don't think. No, probably not. <laughs> but Sam, uh, in terms of drink reviews, I've uh, I've caned more than half of this tournament mead <laughs> on the fan <laughs> and uh, I this makes you feel really. This this raises your body temperature by a huge amount. Makes feel good. Uh, I feel I absolutely roasting. Uh, this is <laughs> it, like it was. It, I'm pretty sure it's not suddenly become really hot here in Cheddar. Good winter drink then. Yeah, this is very very warming drink. Um, really, like it's actually become kind of uncomfortable here. I've rolled up my sleeve <laughs> and everything, and it's, it's still not enough. I'm I'm absolutely absolutely boiling. <laughs> Uh, so tournament mead, yeah. I mean, it tastes great though, and it goes down really easily. As I say, I've you know gone through more than half of this. It's eleven percent. I thought it would it would take a bit longer than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably I'm going to give this I'm going to give this a double B minus because it tastes great, but uh, the minus is just because it's making me feel absolutely boiling. <laughs> and and yeah, and and technically not a beer, but again, I suppose this is booze, booms, and bust. We've so, reviewed uh, we've reviewed whiskey on here. For memory we sake. have done some whiskey, so yeah. To be fair, it's uh, it, everything's up for up for grabs here. I was just having a look online where where you where you can buy it. It looks like you can you can buy Lime Bay Winery Tournament Mead from uh, Master of Malt. Oh yeah, um, 
yeah and that's where everyone gets the whiskey some other places obviously i don't know if lime bay do it directly but um oh is this on amazon as well it is highly recommend is that is that tournament made with ginger yep that's the one yeah i can get it on amazon all right yeah hot dog yeah but buy some you should have some next uh, next step yeah that sucker's coming my way uh, anyway, so uh, as for mine, so the Beer Hut Brewing Co. Session IPA, soft and tropical. Uh, soft. I didn't. I didn't notice that at the start. Did I? Did I read that out? Soft and tropical. I don't you know, know where the soft, soft part. Bit, I remember just the tropical. How does, how does it be a bit? How can it be a bit soft? I don't know. Puzzled by that. That stumped me. Soft and tropical. Yeah, soft and tropical. Uh, as opposed was, to hard and tropical, of course. Yeah. That, you ever had a hard and tropical drink? You know. I've had one. I've had. I don't know. Did you ever have them over here? It was um, in Australia. They had these ones. It was Mike's Hard Lemonade. It was like a U- United States uh, company. Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's basically like a uh, Alco Pop kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. They sell that in Scotland now. Yeah, yeah, that's hard seltzer, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's hard seltzer now. Yeah, seltzer. I, 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 they keep calling everything seltzer, which is basically just like Alco Pops. Just yeah, it's just a, it's an Americanism for shitty, empty. <laughs> uh you know alcoholic beverages they love white sugar and alcohol i mean it's uh it's white claw that's really that's That's really it they've they've single-handedly made seltzer hard seltzer a thing in the states another marketing campaign however they've done it but i've had had some of this i've had a seltzer not that long ago and it's a bit shit yeah i think they suck but uh (laughs) you know they're low calorie and everything so the chicks dig it and uh they they don't taste as hard as they are so you know no they're anything but hard um anyway session ipa soft and tropical from oh, beer hut uh i i'll give it an a plus it was actually quite a nice beer it doesn't really not really session ipa um but it was it was definitely tropical and i, I actually don't mind my beers being a bit tropical to be fair i would have preferred it maybe to be a bit more sour than a, a session ipa but um so be it um yeah uh what did i say a plus a plus all right that's fair enough What's your, what's your next one? Right. So next up, we've got uh, In The Mix uh, from the Wild Beer Co., uh, which is another session IPA, but with American sea hops and a three yeast blend. Now, I tell you what, I thought, you know, one yeast is pretty good. And you'd say, you know, two, you'd be like, yeah, two, two yeast, but a three yeast blend. Whew, watch out, folks. Blend. Yeah, this one's from Wild Beer Company in Westcombe. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Westcombe. Wild Beer. Very, very big one. Yeah. So uh, I haven't uh, 4.4%. And uh, yeah, I'm going to dig in. All right. Now, um, now, yeah. Okay. I think uh, my, I'll start with, start with the next drink I've got here. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was, was it last week or the week before? I think it will have been. Yeah, it will have been the week before. Uh, in in uh, you know two weeks ago now uh, we did refer to Black Tot Day, which was uh, right. you know a, a grievous a grievous blight on the on the history of of the of the Royal Navy, where mm. after so many so many centuries indeed <laughs> yeah I mean it was more than decades centuries of giving a daily rum ration the rum ration was ended. In 1970, on July 31st. Now, some of that rum was actually, um, you know, the Royal Navy still had a load of rum after mm. after Black Tot Day uh, back in 1970, and uh, it, it was kind of kept for safekeeping for special events in warehouses for a long time. Uh, however, an entrepreneur then um, who was big in rum uh, was, you know, actually tried some and was like, "Wow, this is actually great stuff here." Because the big thing with the with the with some of the uh, some of the storage for it was that they kept some of the older rum at the bottom. They didn't always empty it, and then they before they refilled it. So there was this sort of strong history history that they were keeping in it. It's called Solero, I believe that that method for uh, making rum, where you never empty the cask. You always leave some of the old stuff behind. So in theory, you've got some of the oldest rum still in there that's like helping flavor the new stuff. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so uh black tot is actually a brand and i managed to buy a bottle of this stuff at auction so this isn't the actual original stuff well actually some of this is the original stuff so they did they're wow. in inside this uh, black tot 
uh, 50th anniversary, which came out 2020. So it was last year for the 50th anniversary of Black Tot Day. Um, this does contain uh, some of the some of the original stuff. And actually, there's a list of all the various rums that uh, is in this. In so this is from, you know, so, so the original Royal Navy blend, you know, you want the country of origin. It's just world because of, you know, all of the places it came from. Uh, and it, it lists the status of all of the different rums where this came from. Three of them are since lost. Um, and yeah, and the original Royal Navy blend, Solera, was the, uh, so you can't really give it an age for how old it was. So I've never actually had some of this, and uh, but, now, but I did get this in an auction. I thought it'd be a good thing to have on here, as we were talking about uh, Black Tot Day a couple of weeks ago, as it was the 51st anniversary. But I was thinking another reason why uh, should be having this on this podcast is because this Sunday will be the 50th anniversary, not the 51st, but the 50th anniversary of uh, another major event. So uh, if Black Tot Day, as I said a, a while back, was, you know, was, the, was the, just the beginning of so many bad things for the 70s, you can track, you know, this was just the first event of, uh, <laughs> of an unending, you know, just decade or, well, unending decade, but, you know, a decade of very uh, unfortunate events, uh, including, uh, you know, <laughs> the end of the gold standard, including, mm -hmm. Uh, ABBA, including high unemployment, high inflation, including all manner of things went wrong in the 70s. Uh, and, uh, you know, it started with the black tot. However, the end of the gold standard was in 1971 uh, on the 15th of August, which is really? now, which will be this Sunday. So this Sunday will be the 50th anniversary of, that it will be the golden anniversary indeed, as it is the 50th, of fiat money. So, uh, you know, 50 years ago on Sunday, it was when Richard Nixon went on TV, interrupted a rerun of Bonanza and said, yo, uh, we're doing price controls, we're doing wage controls, and the dollar is no longer, no longer redeemable for gold. And the world has never been the same since in all manner of ways. Uh, if you're uh, sort of interested in this idea, there's a very good website called uh, WTF happened in 1971.com and it will show you all manner of very bad things that have happened uh, since the US went off the gold standard. Astonishing. So it is it is quite extraordinary how you know the number of crazy things that have changed since then in terms of the number of financial crises the number of hyperinflations that have occurred throughout the world since 1971 which didn't exist beforehand uh, but you know if the black tot was what set off the bad you know the bad run of events in the 70s nixon going off the gold standard uh would be uh would be would be up second this is another thing maybe things would have been different if the royal navy didn't get rid of the tot maybe maybe it would have been different but i thought we could have the black tot on here so uh you know, I'll have what, uh, what should what should we do i mean actually do you know what i think i've got the perfect drink i unfortunately the sad part is, is i've got the perfect drink to drink on sunday in commemoration of going off the gold standard but it's back in australia it's in my brother's oh, wine man. fridge it's i i have a bottle of champagne that i was given for a presentation that i did a, a number of years ago uh that is still being held by my brother for me uh and it is a bottle of champagne with uh, gold in it it's, very nice it's very nice gold, gold leaf in it uh which you which you which you drink when you drink when you drink the champagne and uh and I wish I had it with me. That would have been perfect to drink on Sunday. It would have been. It would have been. I'm still debating what the drink is going to be. I mean, there'll need to be a lot of golden ale in there, but there's going to be something special. At 9 p.m. Mm. Well, 9 p.m. American time. That would, that would have been when the when the broadcast happened. I'm trying to think, what, what what else would be good? What have I got at hand? Or maybe I have to buy, have to buy something. I don't know. But you're right. Something needs to be commemorated for that for that day, for the, for the day and for the time and for the day. Yeah, yeah. The golden anniversary of something that is very much not gold. So I just had a, had a sip of that black tot, and I must say, very nice indeed. Not rough whatsoever. A uh, big taste of marzipan in that actually, uh, which was which was interesting. Um, but yeah, very nice indeed. Yeah, black tot 50th anniversary. Uh, they are actually selling some of the original stuff that they bought. However, I think it's £725 for a bottle, so it is uh, very steep. Yeah, that's... Uh, but, but worth it. <laughs> well, considering how much people are paying for NFTs these days, maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe this is a great trade. 
Maybe they, they, there you go. Um, but get a bottle, mint it as an NFT, and sell the NFT and the bottle for like 10x more money. Maybe just sell the NFT, drink the bottle. Yeah, well, well or, or, or possibly that. <laughs> but Sam, what else have you been looking at this week? Oh man, I mean, like where to start? So like there was that, there was a that uh, infrastructure bill, and I'd mainly caught that my attention of because of the the, the language around crypto brokers. But I think a lot of um, attention probably then wasn't given to the to this infrastructure infrastructure bill anyway, and the vast amounts of money uh, that. Uh, I'm just going to continue to flow in through the states. I mean, what is it? It's like they're going to spend another $3.5 trillion on um, on what some are just describing as a paint job for for the US. Um, it's really what, what's a few trillion between friends? Sam? Well, especially in an economy like that, where, you know, <laughs> hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm sure people living in America could probably explain better than me, but from all uh, anecdotal accounts, <laughs> Uh, the, the, you know, there are significant swathes of the country, roads, uh, bridges, rail networks that are that are falling apart, and that you know a couple of trillions actually probably not going to do much uh, to anything, rather than just flow to parts that don't need it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, but it's all about that human infrastructure. You need to understand, Sam. It's an investment in human infrastructure, whatever that is. <laughs> But you're also also known as uh, palming off your mates. Well, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. That's that's really what it's going to do. And I, I mean, where, where does it end? Where does I mean does I, does it end? Does it end? Well, it feels like um, it feels like they're just gonna, they're going to push it to the limit until the bond market says no. So ultimately, the policeman of this kind of behavior is the bond market, and the bond market is not saying no. So uh, I mean, it's just a green light to go ahead with it. I think. So let's, I mean, let's say this goes on for another 10 years. What, 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 what does the market look like in 10 years time if this just- Happy continues? 2031. Right? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, how mental, how mental does it all get? How mental do the markets get if this just goes on for another decade? Here we are. It's episode 500 and uh, it's episode <laughs> 500 and, uh, 503 or no, it would be you know, 520, 523. And, uh, you know, I'm meanwhile celebrating, uh, you know, the 60th anniversary of uh, the end of the gold standard. Uh, what is going, how much money has America spent at this point? So I just bought an NFT for a billion dollars and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not rich enough to buy a good one. <laughs> yeah, you saw one for a billion dollars. Sam at this point has an entire barrel of the Royal Navy's original stuff <laughs> behind him as he records. And he's, he's moaning that he, he didn't even sell, he didn't even sell a good one. So uh, what is going on at this point? How, just how much money? Nancy Pelosi is somehow still alive. Joe Biden appears to be alive, but there well, are- So they, they clearly both paid for younger bodies and then just transplanted their memories. Oh, it's like uh, altered carbon. They've got new sleeves, eh? Yeah, that's right. They've got new sleeves. <laughs> new sleeves, yeah. yeah. Uh, you do wonder whether or not those potholes in Michigan and Ohio, you know, just, are they, is anyone ever going to fill them in? Exactly, right? I mean, if I, if I drive around the corner, there's at least 10 potholes that are going to basically fold my wheel in half on my car that I've got to drive around. If there's a semi-trailer coming the other way, I'm fucking dead. I mean, you can't get infrastructure in this country sorted out in a country that's a uh, uh, bee's dick size less than um, than the size of America. Um, I mean, what? Yeah, I don't know. I, I it, it baffles me, as you can probably see, people can probably guess from just I don't even know what to say. I I, don't, I just don't see I just don't see how they can stop. And if they can't stop, then um, then the mayhem continues and if the mayhem continues uh then then inflation is going to going to just ramp there is no way wages keep pace um it's it's a little scary i, I will be honest oh it's a little scary for for people that are just trying to grind away to to sort of make ends meet and, and try and get ahead um so it does make me a little fearful for for large parts of the economy and that aren't necessarily you know forward-looking 
in that sense, sort of more day by day, week by week, month by month, rather than clumps of years, let alone decades ahead. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. just not sure how it plays out. Yeah, it is very intimidating when you just see the size of the size of these budgets, which no one seems to blink at. You know, you've got the uh, there's a, there's actually in a, you know no one seems to think there's that much of a difference between a billion and a, and a trillion. They think a billion is just kind of a big trillion. Yeah, but uh, there's actually a huge amount of difference, and the fact that no one bats an eyelid at oh well, you know it's just you know it's the same. You know, I'm I'm uh, very much the same. You know, you just see see announcement of the the latest big three and a half trillion dollars that's gonna get yeah. plowed out through the treasury you're you do you know you're not surprised at it anymore it, it well, doesn't just, seem like a, a lot of money anymore but the average person doesn't ask where it comes from they don't know where it comes from they don't care where it comes from um well arguably they're never going to see wherever it goes either yeah they'll probably never see a where it goes and they'll probably ever never see the benefit from where it goes and that's probably because there isn't a benefit from where it goes well not Most much, probably not go, a big chunk of it goes to the military anyway yeah I mean, there's a, there's definitely an advantage in it going to the military in some in some respects, but ultimately, when you look at so much of the bill and where the money's going and whether or not it's needed or not, um, ultimately, this was meant to be a bill for stimulating pandemic growth, et cetera, et cetera, and it's not really going to get there. So I um I I actually almost kind of look forward to there being double digit inflation because the, then the banks have to move the the central banks have to they have to they have to raise rates they have to they have to just cool the shit out of it um, well no they don't they don't because they're they're beholden to the government so all, 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 arguably oh, you'll see the government the, the central banks not do it what should be look what you you should really want to happen is uh, is the bond market is the bond vigilantes to come back and for uh, bond investors to say no this is a massive scam the politicians are just borrowing as much money as they can to pay off the friends nothing you know this is not stimulating growth of uh, of any you know in terms of sustaining capital growth in any way and uh, and to dump it interest rate long-term interest rates on government debt to rise and uh, you know the government's needing to be getting cut into shape as a result uh, doesn't that but- mainly then rest with the institutional banks and wholesale banks yeah, and you know, there's an argument. Uh, Russell Napier makes a very good argument, uh, and others as well, that uh, the government is going to force them to to buy all this stuff by saying it's yeah. uh, prudential, they, prudential the, policy in order to own all of this crap. And because because the government kind of buoys them up anyway and is there to to bail them out, you know, they, they'll just say, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, and they just keep cycling. They basically just keep wheeling it through at the top end of town. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, it depends. It all depends uh, whether or not the vigilantes actually arrive because they have in the past. You know, whether or not people do. But it actually... only takes only takes one, really, doesn't it, to kick it to kick it off? When you well, well I don't know because there's so much debt out there uh, and there's so much demand for it that they sustain these days. Mm. Uh, you do wonder just how much selling would be required in order to see a substantial rise in interest rates. It would need to be a lot of people selling a lot of a lot of bonds, and. Um, Maybe when inflation is so high, and you know CPI doesn't need to be high, you know the inflation statistics don't need to be high, but maybe when inflation is high enough, there will suddenly be a sort of a run for the exits, and that's when interest rates will will rise in the long term. Well, so, long term interest rates. Sorry. I I, I also then the other thing that that's probably just actually sparked my interest is I'm like, well, so what's you know what 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 are the inevitable good ways to sort of hedge against all that. And, you know, your mind keeps coming back to gold and Bitcoin. But what are your thoughts? I, haven't, I don't think I've really spoke to you about this, about the movements in uh, in gold over the last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so gold, yeah. So, yeah, in um, it's a very, yeah, it's very interesting, you know, very interesting scenario where you have, you know, all of this in, just enormous amount of uh, government borrowing of this kind. We do have very high inflation. Uh, well, not, not very high, but high relative to, to where it's been, uh, when when it comes to statistic, statistic statistically recorded inflation <laughs> by the government, <laughs> that maid's doing its job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's kicking in. Well, and and the black and the, and the black tot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the combination of the both is uh, is doing its job. statistics by the seashore. That and chewing tobacco, which is another vice of mine, is definitely definitely doing its job. But no, coming back to. Going back to your question, when it comes to gold, gold obviously had a very bad 
uh, weekend last weekend. This is a subject yeah. of much debate. Folks on the conspiracy side are, of course, saying, you know, something very strange is here. You got $4 billion of futures contracts dumped onto the market at a time which is where there's very low liquidity. This has been, this is, uh, you know, as Luke Groman said recently, you know, $4 billion sold at a low liquidity time. Huge, huge amount of, of futures to sell. Whoever is doing this, you know, this is not this is not a private actor. This is uh, this is a currency intervention. Right? This is not a trader at the bank because they'd get fired. It's not a wealth <laughs> manager because they'd get fired. The person that's doing this has bigger has has bigger fears than profit and loss. This is somebody who is, and I, I'm paraphrasing and expanding, but but that is that is the, that was the gist of what he was he was saying about it. And it's a very fair point to make, I think. People don't like to think of manipulation in this way, but when you see $4 billion that, that, for the gold market, because the gold market oh. is big, but it's not that big. $4 billion on a Sunday, mm, you know, that's a, that's a lot of money to just be randomly throwing around. And uh, one does wonder about that, but I don't think one you need to worry about it because ultimately if you're a gold investor, uh, this is, uh, if you're a gold investor, then uh, you're, pro you're obviously worried about, oh, you three and a half trillion dollars. Wow, that's, uh, hmm. That's a, that's a lot of money, and that's maybe not going to the most productive places. Economic growth is maybe not looking as, as great as possible. So, you know, this uh, whack down in the gold price is actually is actually really this is a great opportunity. Andy, so you know, today uh, actually, yeah, today I bought I bought some more gold, and I'm you know I'm very comfortable owning it. I think if you go back to what we've been discussing when it came to you know 50 years, it'll be 50 years on Sunday, the golden anniversary of fiat money as we know it. Uh, you know, when you look at a chart from 1971, uh, well, it, it looks it looks very good indeed. And of mm -hmm. course, there were periods during that time. There were even times during the 70s when inflation was was really you know it was, it was kicking it was kicking pretty hard, and gold was selling off. But ultimately, if you if you take that long term view and you want to pre preserve your wealth over the long period, you know this is a this it's a good asset to own. And I you know I'm certainly not afraid because. Yeah. You know, someone sold a lot of futures contracts on Sunday, but yeah. it is interesting that the gold market is not responding as it would. Similarly, you know, the bond market should be. Uh, the bond market is not responding as it as it would. People can say that well, central banks are are you know dulling it. They've just sedated the bond market. That's why the bond vigilantes aren't there. It's because they've effectively just been bonked on the head by all <laughs> the all the quantitative easing by the central banks, etc. Um, some people would argue against that, of course, but I. I don't. I don't think this does anything to uh, to destroy the the case the case one has for gold. Gold never does what you want it to do. Well, go, well, the, nothing the ever does what you want it to do. <laughs> investors say gold doesn't do what what it wants when what you want it to do when you want it to do yeah. it right. When you actually want it to rise, it doesn't. But then when you don't expect, suddenly it starts blowing the lights out. So, for example, you know, March 2020 would be a great example. The world is supposedly falling apart. This is when, you know, in medieval times when people would be going for, you know, I just want money and I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Finally, modern financial markets, this is a lot different. However, then, you know, in the latter half of the year, suddenly it started blowing the lights out. And this is this is sort of against the, the primal case for gold, as it were. But uh, when it comes to the gold self, we've seen uh, over the past week, and it's hit, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not just gold either, just precious metals in general. Mm. And indeed, uh, things like, you know, the, the platinum group metals as well, looking soft. Oil is now looking soft as well. Yep. Uh, I don't think this, uh, this behavior, it certainly doesn't do anything for my belief in these commodities. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. If you take a long-term view, uh, as I do, then... Uh, this is this is really an opportunity. Uh, we obviously don't do financial advice on this on this podcast. Mm -hmm. This is simply what I'm doing. Uh, simply what I do with my money. And I think gold is something that uh, we're we're all, we're going to be speaking a lot more of uh, over the next decade. So uh, as we make our way, Sam, to episode 523, <laughs> you know, this will be uh, you know we're going to be uh, we're going to be discussing a gold a lot a lot more on the way there. And I think the sell-off isn't that that big of a deal. You just there just be like wads of of physical cash stacked behind us. Um, we'll be sit with my desk will be made of cash because it'll just be be worthless by that stage. I think. 
Well, yeah, you do wonder what paper cash is going to, what denomination of the, what denomination of paper cash we might see in the future. Or well, not, to be we fair, still, probably by, by then it won't be physical at all. I'll just be sitting on a pile of government issued central bank smartphones with oh, my maybe, CBDC maybe. wallet on them. <laughs> or maybe you may be able to buy some of the uh, some of the old banknotes sort of as a relic and then there's some kind of yeah. paper mache thing you can do with, with it would be the like um black tot the uh boe edition um <laughs> with just infused notes of the queen uh in with some of the original black tot maybe it'll be like with guns where you're allowed to own paper cash provided that there's some kind of historical relevance to it so, you know, if you can make the argument for, like a for musket. Life, then, oh, well, you know, this is actually an art project that was to commemorate this desk I have that's made of banknotes, art project to commemorate the, uh, you know, the cessation of paper cash. And this will be how, how you'll be presenting. Or, or like firearms, you need to have a, an official license to, uh, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to register your cash and have a license to operate the, the cash. Yeah. A dangerous weapon, that very, very dangerous mm -hmm. weapon. Don't you know you're in the United Kingdom here? We take this stuff very seriously. Cannot put ideas like that into people's heads anymore. Though I, at this rate, I'm kind of expecting the Australians to try it first. You guys yeah. are going to beat us to it. They, you know what? If they weren't so, if 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 the government and um, uh, uh, the, I can't even remember what it's called. How <laughs> good am I going? You've been drinking the, the mead. I wanted to say the Bank of Australia. The, <laughs> Oh you, oh, you mean the Reserve Bank of Australia, the RBA? <laughs> the Reserve, the RBA. <laughs> the RBA, if the RBA and the government uh, weren't so technophobic, um, they probably <laughs> would be. They probably would be one of the first to do it as a, as a command and control function. But um, oh, it's astonishing how just anti-technology adoption they are. So Really? I uh, wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, they're, they're just horribly bad at, at doing it. Um, I wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't expect anything like that in Australia soon. All right. Okay. The UK will definitely do it before Australia does. Yeah. What about the Canadians, Sam? Do the Australians and the Canadians, do they have a derby? Do you guys get on? Well, I think Can Canada, I think Canada will just eventually become another, an extended state of China, won't they? I think, I mean, eventually, the Chinese will either just arrest all the Canadians and lock them up, um, or they'll they'll just invade them after they're done with Taiwan. So, you know, the who, before who, they <laughs> invade Australia, I assume. Before, yeah, I think so. I think I think Canada would just probably, you know, be a bit easier for them to do. Um, it's, it's yeah, um, but you know, I mean, it's next door to us, next door to uh, the USA. You you'd, you'd hope that yeah, uh, but you get the feeling oh, the USA wouldn't really care. Well, I think I, th I think they might. I mean, considering they were they were so pissed off about Cuba. I mean, and Cuba, you know, it's a, it's an island away, you know, right next door, right next door to Alaska, and of course all the northern states. Maybe they'd be, but yeah, it will be. Um, yeah, I, so uh, to answer my question, I, I guess Australia and Canada does have a derby. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. Yeah, well, true. The United, you know, the the uh, the Chinese Republic of Australia probably has a nice ring to it as well. Yeah, yeah the the CRA, the CRA, the CRA. Yeah, CRA, but the CRA versus the CRC. Well, let's. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because Alipay and WeChat Pay, uh, you know, it's like it's like the the big thing to integrate those into Australian payment systems uh, at the moment, and they're inevitably going to become. Uh, you know, the, the facilitating the transfer of the digital wine. So, you know, it would make sense that you would end up with the Chinese uh, central bank, central bank backed digital currency filtering its way into the Australian economy pretty quickly, actually, to be fair. You think, uh, you think the French are going to send their military to, to, to defend Quebec? Uh, yeah, no. Well, actually, no. They are fiercely, they are fiercely defensive of that, aren't they? Well, I, yeah, I don't know. The whole, the whole French Canadian thing is, uh, I find it, find it very peculiar. But uh, that's a realm of uh, geopolitical activity that I am just not up to speed with. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, uh, do you want to, do you want to rate your second beer, which seems to have done its job? 
Yeah, that was good. Uh, I enjoyed that one. That's a bit stronger at 4.4%. Um, that is a session beer. I could I could drink a, uh, quite a few of those. It's a little bit more um, a little bit more tart uh, than than the soft and tropical one, obviously. Um, yeah, just a, a bit more bitter to it. Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed that actually. That's that's a pretty good beer from the Wild Beer Co. in the mix session IPA. I do you know what it was? I think it's the three yeast blend. I think I think the three yeast blends done. That's it. the magic, huh? That's the magic sauce in that one. Uh, I'm giving that a B plus. Quite enjoyed that a lot. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, this uh, Black Top 50 anniversary rum. Obviously, it's a rum. So, you know, uh, you know, you have to take the rating with a kind of, uh, you know, with a grain of salt. Asterisk. As, as we're, yeah, we're not uh, as an asterisk. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're not, you know, comparing, we're comparing rums and beers here, but it is a very nice rum indeed. I have a fair, I, I'm not a, I'm not a massive rum connoisseur. I have added a lot of rums over the years. Um, you know, Mauritian rums, uh, being being my uh, my normal my normal um, go to. However, Black Top 50 anniversary is very nice indeed. There's no uh, no harshness with it at all. Has a lot of flavor going on, um, and it's yeah, it's very pleasant indeed. But yeah, really tastes like marzipan to me. And uh, if you do have the opportunity to have some, I would recommend it. So I think I'll give that one a uh, I'll give that one a double B. Very nice indeed. Nice. Yeah, I think I um I think I'm gonna have to get me a bottle of that. Hmm. Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff indeed. And uh, yeah, on Sunday, yeah, Sam, gotta gotta celebrate Richard Milhouse Nixon's interruption of Bonanza at hey, nine p.m. He did a lot of fun. Very big event. Yeah, he was he was not good for the world, was he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's an argument though. There, there was only so there wasn't much he could actually do at that point when it came to uh, came to gold and the dollar. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, it was quite quite a character, quite a character. Now, uh, Sam, any closing remarks before we carry on and we'll see everyone else in episode fifty-four? Uh, no, yeah, no, cheers for Sunday. Uh, drink, drink on, and drink well. Very good indeed. To all who are listening, I hope you do enjoy Sunday and uh, and you know raise a glass at some point to a significant moment in world history. It will be the 50th anniversary, the golden anniversary. They don't come around that often, so we should mark it, I believe. Uh, but that is all from us for this week. We shall be back next week, of course, with episode 54. We'll see you then. <laughs>